I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading Isaiah chapters 31 through 34. In chapter 31, we have Isaiah giving a warning to the people of Israel not to go down to Egypt for protection. Verse 1, Woe to them that go down to Egypt for help, and stay on horses, and trust in chariots, because they are many, and in horsemen, because they are very strong. But they look not unto the Holy One of Israel, neither seek the Lord. Yet he also is wise, and will bring evil, and will not call back his words, but will arise against the house of the evildoers, and against the help of them that work iniquity. Now the Egyptians are men, and not God, and their horses flesh, and not spirit. When the Lord shall stretch out his hand, both he that helpeth shall fall, and he that is hoping shall fall down, and they all shall fail together. For thus hath the Lord spoken unto me, like as the lion and the young lion roaring on his prey. When a multitude of shepherds is called forth against him, he will not be afraid of their voice, nor abase himself for the noise of them. So shall the Lord of hosts come down to fight for Mount Zion and for the hill thereof. As birds flying, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. Defending also, he will deliver it, and passing over, he will preserve it. Turn ye unto him from whom the children of Israel have deeply revolted. For in that day every man shall cast away his idols of silver and his idols of gold, which your own hands have made unto you for a sin. Then shall the Assyrian fall with the sword, not of a mighty man, and the sword, not of a mean man, shall devour him. But he shall flee from the sword, and his young men shall be discomfited. And he shall pass over to his stronghold for fear. And his princes shall be afraid of the incense, saith the Lord, whose fire is in Zion, and his furnace in Jerusalem. Well, here's the essence of chapter 31. This one written by Isaiah, he says, So Israel, you're scared of those Assyrians, huh? Need a little protection? Well, you won't get it from Egypt. They're too weak. Now notice verse 3. It says, Now the Egyptians are men and not God, and their horses flesh and not spirit. When the Lord shall stretch out his hand, both he that helpeth shall fall, and he that is hoping shall fall down, and they all shall fail together. The only help Jerusalem needs is God himself. This message continues from Isaiah chapter 30. That chapter is an oracle against those going to call upon Egypt for help. In fact, Egypt fell to the Assyrians along with all of Jerusalem's neighbors. But God did in fact protect Jerusalem from falling, at least to the Assyrians. And no, Jerusalem did not turn to God. Only their king, King Hezekiah. But that was enough for God to spare them. Verses 7 through 9 here prophesy the supernatural deliverance of Jerusalem that occurs in 2 Kings chapter 18, verses 13 down through chapter 19, verse 37. 
and Second Chronicles chapter 32, verses 9 through 22, and the entirety of Isaiah chapters 36 and 37. The rest of Judah, along with Israel, did fall. Isaiah, in this passage, correctly prophesies the deliverance of Jerusalem by God from the Assyrians in the face of insurmountable odds. We see in Isaiah chapter 32 that Isaiah prophesies of a day that's coming. Verse 1, Behold, a king shall reign in righteousness, and princes shall rule in judgment. And a man shall be as an hiding place from the wind, and a covert from the tempest, as rivers of water in a dry place, as the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. And the eyes of them that see shall not be dim, and the ears of them that hear shall hearken. The heart also of the rash shall understand knowledge, and the tongue of the stammerers shall be ready to speak plainly. The vile person shall be no more called liberal, nor the churl said to be bountiful. For the vile person will speak villainy, and his heart will work iniquity, to practice hypocrisy, and to utter error against the Lord, to make empty the soul of the hungry, and he will cause the drink of the thirsty to fail. The instruments also of the churl are evil. He deviseth wicked devices to destroy the poor with lying words, even when the needy speaketh right. But the liberal deviseth liberal things, and by liberal things shall he stand. In this chapter, these first eight verses, Israel will look and see devastation by the Assyrians everywhere around them. But there's coming a day when the righteous Messiah will rule over all, as we see in verse 1 when it says, Behold, a king shall reign in righteousness, and princes shall rule in judgment. Based upon this verse 1, these verses certainly must look to the messianic kingdom, a time yet future even to us. We see also in these verses that those who exploit the poor, they will not be available to do so during this period of rule, the millennium. As a matter of fact, verses 2 through 8 deal with the human inequities which will be remedied at the outset of this period. That understanding is set up by the mention of the vile person in verse 5, that he'll not practice his vileness during the messianic rule. Verses 6 through 8 describe the attributes of a vile person. Now, the King James translation of the verbs there in the future tense are a little confusing. The vile person will practice his vileness as a matter of his vile character, but he won't be doing that during the millennium, the messianic rule. And then we have a warning to the women in verses 9 through 14 of chapter 32. Verse 9, Rise up, ye women that are at ease. Hear my voice, ye careless daughters. Give ear unto my speech. Many days and years shall ye be troubled, ye careless women, for the vintage shall fail. The gathering shall not come. Tremble, ye women that are at ease. Be troubled, ye careless ones. Strip you and make you bare, and gird sackcloth upon your loins. They shall lament for the teats, for the pleasant fields, for the fruitful vine. Upon the land of my people shall come up thorns and briars, yea, upon all the houses of joy in the joyous city, because the palaces shall be forsaken. The multitude of the city shall be left. The forts and towers shall be for dens forever. A joy of wild asses, a pasture of flocks. Now, these verses are talking about complacent women. Those women who are complacent in their attitudes about the coming siege by the Assyrians. They'd better watch out. 
the devastation of Judah, not the city of Jerusalem. Well, the devastation of Judah is imminent. Of course, Jerusalem was spared. The other cities of Judah, besides Jerusalem, will suffer devastation. Now we have some words about kingdom living in verses 15 through 20 of chapter 32. Verse 15, Until the Spirit be poured upon us from on high, and the wilderness be a fruitful field, and the fruitful field be counted for a forest, then judgment shall dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness remain in the fruitful field. And the work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. And my people shall dwell in a peaceful habitation, and in sure dwellings, and in quiet resting places. When it shall hail, coming down on the forest, and the city shall be low in a low place. Blessed are ye that sow beside all waters, that send forth thither the feet of the ox and the ass." The first 14 verses of chapter 32 here talk about the contrast between the righteous rule of the Messiah, which we saw in verse 1, and the corruption otherwise. How will it all be made better? Well, verse 15 here says, "...until the Spirit be poured upon us from on high." Now that sounds like the new covenant of Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 35. After the event of verse 15... Notice what is said of life from that point forward in verse 17. It says, And the work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. Again, the prophet must have the messianic rule in view here, the conditions during the millennium, because these conditions didn't exist during any historical period after the issuance of this oracle. Therefore, it simply must be a messianic proposition that looks to the yet future millennium we know as the messianic rule of the future. Then we have the destruction of the enemy, those Assyrians, in chapter 33, beginning with verse 1. Woe to thee that spoilest, and thou wast not spoiled, and dealest treacherously, and they dealt not treacherously with thee. When thou shalt cease to spoil, thou shalt be spoiled. And when thou shalt make an end to deal treacherously, they shall deal treacherously with thee. O Lord, be gracious unto us. We have waited for thee. Be thou their arm every morning, our salvation also in the time of trouble. At the noise of the tumult, the people fled. At the lifting up of thyself, the nations were scattered. And your spoil shall be gathered like the gathering of the caterpillar as the running to and fro of locusts shall run upon them. The Lord is exalted, for he dwelleth on high. He hath filled Zion with judgment and righteousness, and wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times, and strength of thy salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. Behold, their valiant ones shall cry without. The ambassadors of peace shall weep bitterly. The highways lie waste. The wayfaring man ceaseth. He hath broken the covenant, he hath despised the cities, he regardeth no man. The earth mourneth and languisheth, Lebanon is ashamed and hewn down. Sharon is like a wilderness, and Bashan and Carmel shake off their fruits. Now will I rise, saith the Lord, now will I be exalted, now will I lift up myself. Ye shall conceive chafe, ye shall bring forth stubble, your breath as fire shall devour you. And the people shall be as the burnings of lime, as thorns cut up shall they be burned in the fire. 
Hear ye that are far off what I have done, and ye that are near, acknowledge my might. The sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness hath surprised the hypocrites. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? He that walketh righteously and speaketh uprightly, he that despiseth the gain of oppressions, that shaketh his hands from holding of bribes, that stoppeth his ears from hearing of blood, and shutteth his eyes from seeing evil, he shall dwell on high, his place of defense shall be the munitions of rocks. Bread shall be given him, his waters shall be sure. Verse 1 here takes off with the description of the attitude of the Assyrians and their boastfulness of their power, but the verse quickly turns on them, prophesying their defeat. In verses 2 through 4, we see the prayers of the righteous remnant in Judah who call out to the Lord, followed by a messianic promise in verses 5 and 6. Verses 7 through 12 speak of the conditions as Jerusalem is surrounded by the Assyrian army. In verses 13 through 16, Isaiah commends those righteous people in Jerusalem, those who will stand firm in their faith toward God. And then we see in chapter 33, verses 17 to 24, that one day it'll all be better. Verse 17, Thine eyes shall see the king in his beauty. They shall behold the land that is very far off. Thine heart shall meditate terror. Where is the scribe? Where is the receiver? Where is he that counted the towers? Thou shalt not see a fierce people, a people of deeper speech than thou canst perceive, of a stammering tongue that thou canst not understand. Look upon Zion, the city of our solemnities. Thine eyes shall see Jerusalem, a quiet habitation, a tabernacle that shall not be taken down. Not one of the stakes thereof shall be removed, neither shall any of the cords thereof be broken. But there the glorious Lord will be unto us a place of broad rivers and streams, wherein shall go no galley with oars, neither shall gallant ships pass thereby. For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king, he will save us. Thy tacklings are loosed, they could not well strengthen their mast, they could not spread the sail. Then is the prey of a great spoil divided, the lame take the prey. And the inhabitants shall not say, I am sick, the people that dwell therein shall be forgiven their iniquity. Well, here's some more verses describing life on earth when the Messiah, the King of Kings, reigns over the land. Verse 17 says this, Thine eyes shall see the king in his beauty. They shall behold the land that is very far off. That's the Messiah. We then see a contrast between the terror of the Assyrian officials and the righteous rule of the Messiah in verses 18 and 19. We further see a description of the Messiah in verse 22 when it says, For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king, he will save us. Then in chapter 34, we see a little premillennial destruction. Verse 1. Come near, ye nations, to hear and hearken, ye people. Let the earth hear and all that is therein, the world and all things that come forth of it. For the indignation of the Lord is upon all nations, and his fury upon all their armies. He hath utterly destroyed them. He hath delivered them to the slaughter. Their slain also shall be cast out. And their stinks shall come up out of their carcasses, and the mountains shall be melted with their blood. And all the host of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll. And all their hosts shall fall down, as the leaf falleth off from the vine, 
and as a falling fig from the fig tree. For my sword shall be bathed in heaven. Behold, it shall come down upon Idumea, and upon the people of my curse to judgment. The sword of the Lord is filled with blood. It is made fat with fatness, and with the blood of lambs and goats, with the fat of the kidneys of rams. For the Lord hath a sacrifice in Basra, and a great slaughter in the land of Idumea. And the unicorns shall come down with them, and the bullocks with the bulls, and their land shall be soaked with blood, and their dust made fat with fatness. For it is the day of the Lord's vengeance, and the year of recompenses for the controversy of Zion. And the streams thereof shall be turned into pitch, and the dust thereof into brimstone, and the land thereof shall become burning pitch. It shall not be quenched night nor day, the smoke thereof shall go up forever." From generation to generation it shall lie waste. None shall pass through it forever and ever. But the cormorant and the bittern shall possess it. The owl also and the raven shall dwell in it. And he shall stretch out upon it the lion of confusion and the stones of emptiness. They shall call the nobles thereof to the kingdom, but none shall be there. And all her princes shall be nothing." And thorns shall come up in the, her palaces, nettles and brambles, in the fortresses thereof. And it shall be an habitation of dragons, and a court for fowls. The wild beast of the desert shall also meet with the wild beast of the island, and the satyr shall cry to his fellow. The screech owl also shall rest there, and find for herself a place of rest. There shall the great owl make her nest, and lay, and hatch, and gather under her shadow. There shall the vultures also be gathered, every one with her mate. Seek ye out of the book of the Lord, and read. No one of these shall fail. None shall want her mate, for my mouth it hath commanded, and his spirit it hath gathered them. And he hath cast the lot for them, and his hand hath divided it unto them by line. They shall possess it forever, from generation to generation shall they dwell therein. Actually, the destruction is quite significant, according to verse 2. It says, For the indignation of the Lord is upon all nations, and his fury upon all their armies. He hath utterly destroyed them. He hath delivered them to the slaughter. All the enemies of God will be destroyed prior to the millennium, at the end of the tribulation. That's the last battle, the one that we know as the Battle of Armageddon, as viewed in Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 21. That's the event to which Isaiah is looking in this chapter. Nothing else fits these specifications. In this passage, Edom was a very small neighbor nation of Israel and was continually hostile toward Israel and Judah. They are to become a showplace of God's destruction, a museum, so to speak. They'll probably call it the They Rejected God Museum. Edom is probably used here in the context of being the epitome of Judah and Israel's enemy, a representative of the hostility of the surrounding nations toward Israel in that age and through the centuries. And incidentally, uh, Edom is referred to as Edomian in this passage a couple of times. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walton.